but uh i was gonna ask you about your podcast too because you i want to i want you to be able to plug all your you, oh. see, you, you have echo books i'm gonna put all this in the links to in the description i'm gonna put your links to your uh your books oh. echoes one two three and four um, all available on Amazon. You also have a podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah. I got a podcast called Strained Brains. Um, I'm not trying to disrespect what you've been through, but uh, we talk a lot about psychedelics. <laughs> me, me and this other vet guy, we talk, talk about psychedelics, how that uh, kind of helps us out, opened up some insights. Um, no, not at all. It's, I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> have you tried them? Or? I was never a psychedelic guy. I, I feel like my brain was pretty... I played football and had a lot of head injuries. I think my brain was opened up different ways. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, man. That'll do it. Um, okay. That, that, that might actually be like a scientific ex- from what I understand, that might be a scientific explanation for, for some, uh, compulsive, um, urges and whatnot, uh, CTE, uh, brain trauma yeah. that, that, you know, contributes to like impulsive and more, um, it, it, it uh, degrades the prefrontal cortex. I, I, I'm speaking out of my depth, but basically, <laughs> I mean, I had about probably 20 concussions before I was 18 years old, and I played college football too. So. Oh, shit. You played college football. Who'd you play for? I played, well, I played at a small school in Maryville, Tennessee. Still, I mean, um, getting hit, uh, damn. I, I heard like 90% of people who play football, even like high schoolers, they have some yeah. form of uh, CTE, brain trauma. But Oh, man, my family was like, yeah, sending me all kinds of articles and stuff like that because they were all like, yeah, he's obviously got CTE. His brain's deteriorating. Right, right validity to it as well but i also believe that a lot of things can be here healed through a spiritual practice through um like we're talking about things we do on a daily basis i think you're i think the human body the physiology of the human body has incredible healing capabilities that we don't even really know about um that we're like tapping into with like we talk about having a positive attitude and like how laughter is a good medicine Mm -hmm. like that shit there's basis and real truth there and i really do believe that you know, healing yourself from within um, is a powerful medicine. That, well, it's not just it's not just basis. I mean, the placebo effect, like people talk about the placebo effect, like, oh, it's just the placebo. It's not just anything. It's an effect. It's period. You know, the placebo effect yeah. is an effect. It's a significant effect, you know. And what you're I mean, uh, you're talking about meditation helping you. Meditation has been proven to, like, grow, grow the thickness of your increase the thickness of your prefrontal cortex. So it's like, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I do believe in that stuff. Um, and man, like uh, positive attitudes, it's like that is uh, save the day on a lot of occasions. You know, <laughs> you can't discount it. Like just being positive and be positive. They're, they're technologies. Like People don't see them as technologies, but they're ancient technologies. Like even yoga is a technology, like exercise, the technologies, like 12 step program. That's a technology. It's just not, it's not synthetically made from, you know, plastic and, and, uh, other parts it's it's made from human action right right it's technology that gets you to a different state yeah yeah uh holotropic breathing that uh that in, that can induce like a dmt uh level experience if you i don't know for some people yeah, yeah. i heard joe rogan talk about dmt and i was like oh my god i gotta try this shit I, um it's like you know i when i went to peru i <laughs> it's crazy man like i, I don't want to I get well. Fair warning: I'm not going to do this, but like, if I went through the whole experience, it'd be 90 minutes of uh, the DMT, the whole DMT thing. But like, the highlights are like, I, <laughs> the guy I went to was like this lanky Welshman. He looked kind of like a goblin. He had like a face like a goblin, but it was he was charming. You know, he was he was like a guy out of it, the way he spoke. He was like a dude out of a Guy Ritchie film, like a lock, stock, and smoke, two smoking barrels or some shit. And yeah. um, 
I had never done drugs until my mid thirties, you know, cause I was just like, like you, I was like, I need to try this shit because Joe Rogan makes it sound too good to be true. And so this yeah. guy, it's like, I took his shit. Uh, long story short, I, I, I did his stuff. Like he had me do uh, this other, he had me graduate, do it gradually. He's like, dude, try the blunt first, then go do an ayahuasca ceremony. Those are disappointing to me. And then he's like, okay, now you can do what's called a heroic dose. Take three tokes off this pipe. And he did, he did it legit. Like he, he did all, he did the Icaros. He was like singing. He, he, he cleansed, he spiritually cleansed me supposedly with like this special tobacco and stuff like that. He was singing during the whole thing. But, um, it was just, um, as far as like, uh, it, it actually provided the inspiration for, you know, my explanation in echo four of like why everything is the way it is, the why existence is the way it is. But to, in order to, Dude, I got to I got to get to number four. Yeah, it's a long one. So, I mean, I'm flattered that you read it all, but basically what it did for me, that Turok dose was it viscerally convinced me there is like an underlying order to the universe and it's good. It's like, it's complete, like it's love. Like if I had to put words on it, it was, it was so like Joe Rogan keeps saying, it's like, it's beyond words. But if I had to put words on it, it's made out of the essence of like love, laughter and dreams. So like Mm -hmm. infinite love, like uh, it's like pure laughter without any judgment or condescension. And then, you know, like the infinite in order to perpetuate its all encompassing nature, it has to dream itself into limited forms. Cause the only thing the infinite lacks is limitation. So it viscerally convinced me of that shit. And like later I talked to other people who are like experienced drug users who had done DMT yeah. and they're like, yeah, um, I'm not gonna say his name. Uh, this dude's uh, this dude's DMT. It's world class. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> That's what they said. DMT just produ- it's produced by the pineal gland, right? It's like the it is, yeah. So, uh, so our, if you want to talk well, we about like tapping it naturally, um, I don't know if you if you know who Wim Hof is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like some of his breathing exercises, he claims you can tap uh, the DMT in your pineal gland, and like he's actually had like a, I saw a YouTube one where he had a footballer. He did his breathing stuff, um, and uh, the guy was hallucinating. So. That's yeah, I think <laughs> I'd say it's awesome. It, it, it is pretty cool. I mean, it's like because I, I think um, not and getting back to writing a little bit, <laughs> but just thinking like I, I think part of the getting in the flow is getting in that different dimension that where where we see the underlying uh, value of the universe is love, laughter. And, and like you said, it's, it's those things. It's when we get into flow, we're tapping into this source outside of ourselves that I, I believe is like a full on God energy universal energy that we're all wading through every single day when we get into the flow our bodies are like tuning forks for this energy and we just tune into something you know and i think we can tune to multiple different different directions and we're always in tune of something always in tune of something it just depends on what that something is and if we're going to be willing to let it flow through us it's always there um but that's what that like what you're talking about with the dmt man i i think it's so neat and I don't begrudge anybody for doing it, you know, or doing drugs or, or drinking or whatever, because that's all about your path and what you're, what you, you have to go through to get to where you're going. Right, right. Um, and I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go through the shit I went through. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. But I think it's so important for us to like realize that we're kind of tapping into a source outside of ourselves, especially when writing. And if you can, if you can kind of find that source, the muse, the whatever it is, it's like just sit down and do it. I think your writing can be so profound and artistic. It's like, it, it doesn't even feel like it's coming from me anymore. It's coming from something else. I, su- I suspect that's, I, I, I want to believe that's the case. And I suspect that's the case 
But I, I, I think like even if it's not, that's not the case. Just like you can make a practical argument for all the other stuff. You can make practical arguments. So it's like, so my point is like, just uh, you know, all that old, all the all the stuff, the 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 lessons that arise from the idea of maybe there is this benevolent source that that creates and encompasses all of existence. All the lessons and premises that come from that. Those are all still practical, too. So you don't even have to believe. That's my point. It's like be a good guy to the people around you. Walk the hero's path. Or, you know, that's, if, it's, if that's too traumatic, be a problem solver and help people around you. It'll, it's pract- in, the longer, in the long term, it's still practical. You know what I mean? But, yeah, personally, yeah. I do believe, uh, I do suspect that what you're saying is true. Uh, because it's just like some of the ideas I come up with, it's just like I – where yeah i have no idea where that came from you know yeah absolutely well in uh um simon Sinek, i don't know if you know him but he talks about it uh, a lot um in the hormones that are actually produced through doing good things for other people uh oxytocin and serotonin and all these things like doing good things checking things off your list like doing living a certain way like your body actually produces certain hormones what when you do these things to give you like the that that rush of feeling good yeah absolutely um, yeah also, also a lot of what we're talking about i don't know are you familiar with alan watts yeah i like the um what was that there I was a, there's this one little uh clip they have of uh, it was basically explaining like why why there is suffering like what what, what would a limited being unlimited being do you know and he's like at first he'd go he'd, he'd create a life for himself where he's like doing all this crazy like slaying dragons and having sex with like all these girls or whatever and then eventually yeah. he would place himself in a position where he just forgot that he was unlimited. And then like, he would live like all these mundane problems, you know, because he would have to exhaust all the possibilities. So yeah, I love that. I love that. I remember, yeah, I remember listening to that one. I love that one too. It's because you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it explains everything, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. Wow. Man, we've talked, we've covered a lot of shit. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about all that stuff. For, like, I- I'm sure like, just like you, man, it's like, I, I I had the one one day I decided to try a podcast on a lark, and I'm sure just like you, it's just like all this shit just came flowing out of my mouth. I was like, man, I, I didn't realize because I don't talk to people in real life that much, you know. I just keep my mouth shut, but yeah, for some reason, like I think the the way I described it was like, um, like if I go to party, I don't go to parties anymore, or if I go to a bar, I don't go to the bars anymore either. But it, you know, in those situations, uh. I find it hard to talk about the latest TV show, you know, or, uh, <laughs> you know, clothing or cars and stuff like that. But you, you start talking about like deeper existential stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking run my mouth for hours. You know? Well, it's, yeah, it's exciting. Like we, the surface stuff is it's like, okay, it's been covered. The weather has been covered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think when we talk about existential stuff, it's like, we're, when we talk to when we talk to each other, other people about it, we get to a point of like this person's tapping into something I didn't know, and we're kind of like bouncing off each like sound waves just bouncing off each other, like you know, reverberating through the universe of like, oh, maybe this is it, maybe this is it, because this, for some reason it rings true, right? Right. And I don't necessarily know why, but like just the talking about it is like you were talking about your musings, like writing it out. How does it feel to you? How does it experience experientially? happen in your life it's kind of like that with us you know talking about it yeah absolutely you talking about it. it's 
I mean, it's, it is for me, it is what writing has been about because it is another avenue. And, and writing was the first was my first avenue for creativity because nobody looked at nobody had to look at me um, like I was terrified of the world. I could sit at my computer and write all of my thoughts out and process all of the horrible shit in my life and without somebody like pointing, feeling like somebody's pointing a finger at me, like you're disgusting. You're a horrible person. You right. Know? Right. And what's grown from that is all this other shit I'm doing. And it, that's in honestly, Trent Foster and the council of 10, my, my second book was about that. It's how we are completely unlimited. And I realized like something clicked in my mind while writing the book is, everything and anything that I want in life is completely on the table. If I do it, like even writing the book, like I was thinking I'm rewriting my own life by writing this book about this character where anything is possible. And that was like a mind blowing experience for me. It was like, Holy shit. I'm, I'm capable of doing anything at this point. (laughs) Like just write about it. And that's, you're doing whatever you want to do. Right. Right. You know, like uh, it's it's amazing yeah writing is like um i'm pretty sure you, uh, well i'm not pretty sure like l- let me ask you this like I, I don't know if you had this experience when you first started writing like i wrote some stuff in echo that's kind of similar to what i went through and i was like well that's my fucking life so uh i don't know what else there's actually after the first chapter i was like well i kind of went through something like that so uh i don't know what else to write i don't know how to get to that climax i was envisioning in the beginning and then i was like let me stop thinking about what other people want 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 me to be you know let me let me remove these blocks of i can't for my head and then it's like yeah. the words just start coming you know but but yeah. at first i was there was a period where i was like ah, i was bouncing it off my now ex-wife and i was like is this too brutal is this uh what, what do people think of this what do people think of that and then it's just like fuck it you know get worry about that in the editing process but just fucking let it go while you're drafting it's just like let it go i don't know if you went through something like that but uh when you started writing i did man well, yeah, because uh, in working the 12 step program, writing the fourth step is like writing all the horrible things you've ever done in your entire life. Right. And that was very traumatic. <laughs> it's yeah, like a yeah. difficult experience, you know, and it got me to a point where like, OK, Matt, here's the deal. You want to be a writer. You have to write. OK, you want to be a good writer. You have to write every day and you have to be real about some shit and get authentic. And the only way to do that is I had to realize that nobody else is going to read this right now. Just write it, man. Right. And be okay with just writing it. And once I started being okay with just getting the shit out and stop worrying about all these other, like the meditation, right? Like getting everybody else's voices outside of my head, like you were talking about, it became such a freeing thing that I can write whatever the hell I want on a piece of paper. I don't give a shit. Like I can, <laughs> I can, and it's lended, it's lended to me being able to walk into a room and do things that other people wouldn't do or like things that I didn't think I was capable of. Because now I know that, yeah, I'm capable of doing it. And it's going to it's gonna look how it's going to look. Like living a life, it looks like art. Right. You know, you know I want to I wanna highlight that point. Uh, are you short? Are, uh, do you have a time t- uh, schedule? I don't want to infringe on your time. I remember. I've got it. Me and, me and my girlfriend do bedtime stories. I was actually going to ask you about this, too, after at the end. But we do a, a thing called bedtime stories where I read from parts of the, the books of the authors I interview. And then we give away a book. We do a live recording, a dramatic reading. Um, and then we give away some of the copies of the book. Well, I, I just want to make sure like you, 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 you're the, you're the head honcho here. You direct me. I don't want to infringe on your time. No, Let me know. I, if I'm running I probably got another 20 minutes or so. Okay. And then I'll probably... So I wanted to, uh, 
people ask me about the writing and I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly no expert. Like for, if you want to, if anybody wants to l- learn the ins and outs of writing, I suggest starting with Stephen King's on writing, but yeah. what you highlighted, I think was key to me. And I suspect, I always suspected, uh, I'll get into exactly what you said that, that rang true with me. I always suspected this was kind of like the key to creativity because it, to go back a few minutes, you talked about when you uh, wrote down the bad things you had done to people and it was traumatic, right? And you just kind of faced up to it. Well, I really didn't start getting creative until just to myself, I admitted like these five dark secrets, you know, I, and it was to these secrets. They weren't criminal. They weren't, you know, they weren't abusive or anything like that. It's not like it, but it, they were just like deeply embarrassing to me to the point where I, you know, there's certain memories that you don't like that you don't even consider unless somebody you, you don't even acknowledge unless like their existence does. They don't exist in your mind unless somebody actually points your attention to them. It's like yeah. you don't you know what I mean? And to me, um, I just like blank these memories out almost. And um, I, I forced myself to look at them and to be like, yeah, this is who you are, but you're not that anymore. And it was mm-hmm. just uh, it was it was it was tough while I was doing it. And later I did it. I, I openly admitted them to a friend and I was just to make sure. But the point was that didn't change anything. The, the, what was majorly significant was when I actually um, admitted them to myself. And that's actually when I started being able to write. You know, I tried to write before, but uh, nothing had come of it. But I think the secret to creativity, this is just my speculation, mind you, is just is that you have to be comfortable with your own darkness and, and embrace it and, 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 you know, be willing to. Because in my mind, it, to use a technology, it's like those things take up a lot of processing power. You know, mm. once you free that up, it's like, fine, you can you can be a channel for the transcendent, which includes light and darkness. You know, you can you're not you're not jamming up the pipe so much anymore, you know, and uh, I think uh, I, I'm not sure if you're writing correlated with, uh, you know, that exercise you did in AA. But uh, as far as me, like. Uh, just admitting that shit to myself that it definitely correlated with my being able to write. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, it's because it's like when we ignore the things, I feel like when we just rush them off to the side, it's like, we're, we're not dealing with the, the stuff, the mess that we've created. Right. And so it's always going to be there and we're just stepping over it on a daily basis as, a, you know, and it's, it's always going to be there. And we'll step over it when we're aware of it, but when we're not aware of it, it, it can come up and trip us up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, getting that shit cleaned up and getting it out of the way and realizing that I'm not the same person that did those things. Like, I'm a new creation kind of every moment, every day. Like, as long as I'm moving in a certain direction. And I was thinking about this because the the podcast was, um, you had to get your phone set up. And I was like, crap, I should have, you know, I should have gotten more prepared and done this better. And I was like, and I had I had the thing recording on my computer, and I was like, man, you, you gotta you gotta just you know try to get better every day, even if it's one foot. Hell, even if it's half a foot. And then I was like, well, fuck, even if it's just a toe or like a little toe, just like a little bit better than you were the day before, that's enough. You know, it's like just keep trying to get better, um, because if as, as long as we don't, if, as long as we ignore those things, then we're never truly going to become anything different than what those things made us or what we were during those times like we have to acknowledge absolutely that's a wonderful place that's my theory on old people who uh not not old people (laughs) in general but like people who uh old people who like like, uh 
like okay so i consider joe rogan not old even though he's like 50 something or like even if he was like 80 i wouldn't have i wouldn't if he had the mentality he has right now i wouldn't consider him old because he's open he's questioning he's experimenting he's checking himself he's not he's not you know he's like talking about where he could have been wrong like he's not like a complete he, he's reevaluated his stance on marijuana and, and i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm just saying like he's like it's his stance now is like it's not good for everyone you know there's like a few people yeah. it, it fucks up and uh, i'm like because he's looking at the evidence so i feel like that that view keeps them young but the opposite you know where people just become more and more entrenched in protecting their dark secrets and keeping their same routines i feel like that mentally ages somebody and i feel like it probably phys- it carries over to the physical you know it probably physically has bad deleterious effects as well but uh yeah i see it in some of my friends you know um they come to me and they're like man i'm, I'm fucking i don't know what to do man and it's, uh, you know, they're stuck in the same situation, you know, uh, girl finance or whatever. I'm like, uh, and I'm thinking like, this is kind of a dilemma for me. I don't know about you. You've been through the darkest. Like, uh, I feel like somebody's got to come to that point where they, they decide to do what you're talking about. Like, yeah, just look around and be like, what else? Can, what can I do to improve? What did I do last time that's wrong? What can I do different this time? I feel like that's almost... Um, you can tell somebody that, but uh, a lot of times it doesn't take. Maybe I'm just not skilled. I'm probably just not skillful enough, but I feel like lar- mo- the majority of it has to come from their own accord. Like they have to come to themselves, that position themselves. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why in the program it talks about you have to hit rock bottom. Right. Like for alcohol, you have to hit rock bottom. You got to get to a point where you're desperate. You'll try anything. Like that was for me. Like I was at a point where it was either I was going to die or I was going to start doing some work. Yeah. And, even the smallest amount of work was better than dying the way I was dying because I was, it was misery. Right. It was like, it was like being in hell, um, my version of hell. And, uh, and, and the only, I think, like you said, I mean, we have to come to a point because nobody's going to tell me, you know, nobody's going to, nobody can do the push ups for me. Nobody can take the bottle out of my hand. Nobody can, you know, do anything. Like they can't work a job for me. They can't. Nobody can live my life. I have to. I'm. I have to come to the understanding that it's my life to live, and if I want it to be a good one, I better be willing to put in some freaking work to make it good. Um, but yeah, it's got to be a personal decision, right? Right. For sure. Otherwise, otherwise, like I've seen people go into to the program, the courts forced them. Like my ex-wife's have asked me to go in, and you know, doesn't matter about the kids or or how I lost the lost businesses and cars and home and. Like, it doesn't matter what I lost. I didn't give a shit about losing that thing. It was, it had to, it had to be so painful within. It had to be a spiritual death, like to where I was so done spiritually, mentally, physically, that I had to find something different. Right. And people never get to that point in their life. And so they just kind of go about living, like you said, like that old person mentality, where it's just like hanging on to the same rituals and ideas that they've had their entire life and ages of human. Yeah. And, and you know, Tying it back to what you're saying about the muse, um, like uh, I, my, uh, I know I have a good friend who's an artist. Like he has an MFA, you know, graduated from art school. And I'm sure you know tons of writers. And uh, the mentality I speak of, I feel, is pretty pretty prevalent among a lot of creative types I've met. Is that, oh, I gotta I gotta do these things. I gotta go on a walk, and I gotta have my special this, my special coffee, my special rituals, my doll, or whatever. And then and then inspiration will come to me, right? The muse will come to yeah. me, and I'm like the. To me, this this is my personal experience. The only real tribute you can pay the muse, the truest tribute, 
is you sit down when there's no inspiration whatsoever and you just make a shitty draft anyways. You, t- yeah. you type out, you know, whatever, a thousand, two thousand shitty words anyways and do that day after day. Maybe it's a week. And then, you know, after after you've given the muse, that's that's the payment the muse takes. And then they'll give you yeah. the inspiration, you know. Uh, and it's the same with uh, you you're talking about, like, keeping an open mind. To me, it's like it, for a lot of people who in order to maintain and I'm uh, I feel like uh, you'll understand this. So you, you've come to a point in your life where you hit, you know, you, you, you see that you see where you want to go and you know what you're willing to do. And in order to maintain that, it's like you you pay with discipline. You pay with the immediate discomfort. And yeah. to me, that immediate discomfort is actually a small death. It's not like the giant death that some people yes. might need. It's not like the giant death where you hit the rock bottom and you might not even survive that. You know, some people might not survive that. To me, it's much more preferable to pay the small death over and over again in order to keep yeah. the majority of myself alive. Because... If enough of that rot in your body, in, in, in this metaphor, builds up, and you have to pay the big death, like you may not come back, or you may be crippled forever. You know. No, I, I, that's so funny you brought that up because I think about that every morning when I run on the treadmill, and I'm like, oh my god, this fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate it. And I'm like thinking to myself, what's well, the fat me dying a little bit every single? Like, that's the one who hates running, who loves Cheetos and cake. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I've lost a hundred pounds three different Holy times shit. in my life. That's awesome, man. And, yeah. <laughs> like every time. And I hope I don't ever have to do it again, but, uh, cause it is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Honestly, no, it's, it is. It's like dying those small deaths. Like every time you can't breathe a little bit, every time your legs are aching or the pain is there, it's like some part of you is dying. It's that weakness dying. And people talk about it like, uh, pain or what is it? Sweat is, or what is pain it? Is, pain, pain is weakness is, leaving the body. Body, yeah, yeah, yeah. That weak part of you is dying a little bit more every time. And then that's like the, the next step up to me is uh, when somebody has their dogma, you know, has their, like you said, the rituals. And, and, yeah. and sometimes it's not, it's more comfortable for them to just be in constant, constant dis, discomfort, but in the wrong direction, you know, and it's like yeah. way more, it'll like shatter their idea of who they are to shift direction and put effort into the right path. You know, and, and yeah, my girlfriend likes to say it's the devil you know, right? Right, right, yeah. It's it, you know, taking on that devil you don't know. That to me is like, yeah. uh, that's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, I think that's like, um, it's basically, I mean, I'm, I'm waxing eloquent here, but or trying to wax eloquent, but basically, it's just keeping an open mind and being willing to ditch what doesn't work. That's that's really what it comes down to, but it's so fucking hard a lot of the time, you know? Yeah, and there is a lot of physiology to it, like a lot of the times. I'll do my best writing after I work out and I, ex- and I meditate right. because logically I'm in a different state of mind or like I'll do some of my best videos after I work out because I'm in a lifted state mm-hmm. physically. And I think a lot of people, you know, we sit all day long at work behind a computer doing this stuff and we don't realize that our physiology is, you know, shrunken, small, depressed <laughs> body length, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, and so what I've been doing, and I do this before interviews too, because I have to get into a certain state. Like I love talking to people, but sometimes I'm just fucking tired, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I literally go in the bathroom. I look at myself and I do some of the weirdest shit and scream and yell. <laughs> I, have to, I have to get myself out of a, I have to get myself out of the state of tired, out of the state of poor me. Like, why do I have to do another thing? Right. Life is so hard. And I'm like, okay, because what happens is the ridiculousness of it, trigger something in my brain like oh wait a second 
<laughs> like it just throws me, it throws me back on the course. Like, Oh, you can do this is simple. Like you're just having a conversation. This is easy. Right. Right. You know, don't make it more than it is. And like, you're, you're a good person. You're smart and talented and you can do whatever you want to do. Just get into a physiology where you believe that Tony Robbins talks a lot about physiology. Love that guy. But, and you know, I didn't mean to disrespect, you know, any rituals or stuff that, that surrounded like no. the creative pursuits. It's just that what I was referencing is it seems a lot of creative people, uh, use the absence of those rituals to just not do any work so it's like if i don't have this i don't have well i can't i can't write at all or i can't do this you know i'm just like uh i mean it's kind of like the same as having an addict mindset too though right like if i don't do these things like if i don't have a drink i can't write creative like i don't smoke a joint i can't get creative right yeah exactly it's kind of um yeah i mean like uh i i feel i think it's I'm not saying that you sh- you shouldn't do. I think you, you, it's good to do those things, but the point is that you write. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like uh, when 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 other people are like, "Well, I, I didn't write today," or "I didn't write last." No, it's not even like that. You know that that's kind of, like a lot of people. It's like um, I don't even get into people's shit like that. I, I I'm just th- it's just okay. For example, it's like I have a friend who uh, when I started Echo, he had this idea for like a, a fantasy series right and then it's like almost four years later <laughs> and there's an and you know maybe all he's got is some scribbles in a notebook you know yeah. and he's much more he he would he would use those excuses he's very precious about his ritual uh rituals um and what you're doing the counterpoint to, to what you're doing you're you seem like you're using them as actual tools you're not using them as excuses because you're actually doing the shit you're getting shit done you know, I'm all about right. that. I'm just not yeah. about like, hey, that I couldn't do it because of this, because of that. I'm like, well, I mean, that may that may be valid over a, year, a, a week or maybe a day, maybe, but over years, eh, not so much. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like me saying if I didn't meditate or exercise or whatever, I can't do the work that I have scheduled for the day. It's like if I have something scheduled, I need to get the work done no matter what. Right. Right. And somebody asked me on my blog, they were like, how do you put out this content every day that has some sort of meaning to it? And the only thing I responded with, I mean, I have these things that I do, but in all honesty, it's I go with the authenticity of what I feel because I do a lot of it just about like what's going on with me, what I'm dealing with that day. And if I'm being true to myself and I write how I feel, and there's always some insight that I have, like we talked about the musings and stuff. There's always some insight that I have that's different than somebody else may have. And I can put it maybe into words that are a little bit easier to understand. But if, I, if I'm trying to be honest or dishonest and just write some shit, some fluff that I think I want to write as opposed to what I feel is actually happening, then it's not going to make any sense. Like I just write from a place of where I feel I am. And whether it's good or bad for some people, there's always going to be somebody it connects with. And there's always going to be somebody it doesn't connect. It's not my job to pick out who it is. It's my job to get the shit out. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think Mitzi Short said uh, she she used to run the comedy store. She passed away recently, but she was like, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for stardom, you know, if you want to be good in this business as a comedian, you have to be the kind of comedian that some people hate and some people like. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that. I was like, huh, why wouldn't you want to be the one that everybody likes, right? And I was thinking about it. I was like, because that's not true. That's not truth. Right. Right. <laughs> people. That's not how truth reflects through people. Because some people, when, when there's something that's really true, some people don't like it. Some people like it, you know, and in order to reflect the truth and have it be have it have that resonant 
contagiousness, communicability. You know, a, a, a sign of that is that some people will like it, will like the shit, and some people won't. Um, so, yeah, it's like I, I if you're going deep enough uh, into your own life and what you're and your feelings, um, that's like uh, you're, you're starting to tap something universal in my opinion, because everybody at the core begins, begins to become more and more similar. So. Yeah, I agree. Universe, it means one note. Right. We're all kind of riding the wave, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Dude, this, this has been uh, pretty amazing. I have, I honestly, I'm going to be real honest with you here. Um, I was kind of nervous about this because I, I think your writing style is fantastic and it's something bit totally different, but like from the language you use, I was kind of nervous to talk to you because I didn't know if you were going to be like a jerk. Oh, <laughs> because uh, there's a bunch of assholes <laughs> in my book. Yeah. But, <laughs> but just because, I mean, I think it was like three weeks in to my blog. I, I think I wrote a comment on, on your, one of your blogs and you reached out to me and you gave me your email address and just how friendly and nice you've been through this, the whole process. Like, um, and another, you know, reason why I'm doing this is because I feel like connecting people is so important. And right. Writing can be a solitary thing, but it, it doesn't have to be. And if we can, you know, kind of lift one another up and like share our stories with each other, it becomes a much more enjoyable process. And just commending you for, you know, being a person who's willing to give out their email address to somebody they have no idea who it is and then accept the invite to, you know, do an interview. It, it's it's awesome. I really appreciate it. And you've you've uh, changed my opinion, <laughs> not my opinion. <laughs> well, dude, I I'm flattered <laughs> that you reached that. You know, you you had me on your podcast. You know, I'm yeah, believe me, everything you're feeling, I'm just like, man, I, it's it's all reflected in me. I'm 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 just you know, I'm still at this point. I haven't even made. I, I definitely haven't made it. I definitely haven't. Made it. I'm just like, why is anybody interested in my work? You know. You've written four books and you're selling those books. You've got 20,000 plus followers on your blog. I'm, I don't know how many people listen to your podcast, but you've probably sold a lot more books than a lot of people in, uh, you know, I mean, in self-publishing is a difficult thing like we talk about, but you've probably sold a lot more than a lot of people. Right. right. But I mean, the, the, it's just, uh, okay. So like uh, objectively you can make those arguments. It's just, uh, I'm trying to make a subjective argument where it's like, I'm not that, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm just looking at my shit every day and I'm just like, it's not that great. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to trying to make it as error free as possible. That's that's pretty much I'm just trying to solve a problem, like I said earlier. But um, yeah, no, I'm flattered that you reached out to me, man. <laughs> so it's it's all good. As far as, uh, you know, I think uh, are you talking you talk about the language I use in my ads or my books? Just all around. OK, all around. <laughs> yeah, OK, well, it's it's like, you know, um. As far as that stuff goes, uh, it's part of why I took a, uh, a pen name. It's um, have you ever noticed like, okay, uh, let's go to the extreme end. You go to a raunchy comedy movie, right? And yeah. you know you got like cum jokes, shit joke. You know you got like the most disgusting stuff like flying all over the screen, and people in the theater are just howling. They're just belly laughing, right? Yeah. But you try to <laughs> you try to take you try to tell that same joke. Or have one tenth of that raunchiness at like, you know, just hanging out with uh, other folks, and they're gonna give you like this look, like who? Wh- wh- you're a fucking deviant, dude. You know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like everybody thinks that shit. Everybody thinks like that dirty and that nasty because otherwise that that, that comedy wouldn't sell. You know, would have no impact. You know, sure. maybe not everybody, but it's like a, a good a good amount of people do. So it's like I. I you know, there is a part of me, yeah, that's all philosophical stuff. And there's a part of me, you know, that's still back in hanging out around a fire 
after uh, in the field and just like cracking like nasty ass jokes with the boys, you know? So it's just like, that's the part that comes out with the ads. And then like the brutal part comes out and echo and then, you know, so forth. And so, forth. so it's not like, you know, um, but yeah, like you, if, if I was hanging out with my buddies, I might, I might be like, uh, you might see that part of me, you know what I mean? Like over the phone, it's yeah. like, it's a different thing, you know? Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's fine. Right. It's, it's each their own kind of deal. Right, right. I think it's, like I have an open mind about, I, I try to keep an open mind to everything because if I, if I, if I believe that I know how God is going to show up or something's going to show up in my life, that's pretty arrogant of me to be like, oh well, this guy uses profane language, so he has nothing good or of value, and it's like, well, hold on a second, I have a lot in common with, with you in terms of how we think, um, in the processes of the universe and all that kind of stuff, and if I were to like close my mind off because you say some vulgar words, that's pretty silly of me, right, right, you know, and that's. Like, and that's one of the things you were talking about, like an old, old mentality. It's like, don't shut yourself off to the world because it offends you. Right. Like, look at it. Look at it. What? Why does it offend you? And then see what you can learn from it. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure, well, like, uh, you know, like, you're, you're, you, you sound like you're dealing with some pretty dark subject matter yourself um, with the zombies and stuff. Like, the, the, the like, uh, oh. your theme is pretty much my theme. Like, I was listening to you talk about your books. Your theme of, it's pretty much the, the evolution of ignorance into awareness. You know, if you want to yeah. be reductive about it. And that's a, you know, I just phrased it in kind of like, a, you know, maybe it's a fairly clean manner, but that's a brutal, brutal process, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you can use foul language or whatever, but it's like, there has to be something raw about it. There's something that has to be something raw and, and, and genuine about it. I mean, I've got plans to, one of the reasons like Echo was so profane is like, uh, well, <laughs> It's actually not as profane as like how I, you know, how like a lot of how how, how the real military is, you know. So I actually felt I toned it down. But regardless of that, regardless of that, it's um and and it's actually not as exciting. And the real military is not not nearly as exciting as Echo. You know, <laughs> it's not nearly as exciting. It's a lot more, way more boring. But regardless of all that, like uh, that was kind of a familiar starting point for me. You know, uh, I was just like, okay, I kind of know this mentality and these interactions, and I'll cut out the stuff that you know that just kind of little be a drag on the narrative and from there it's there's other things i do it, throughout the echo 2 is like all action stuff like even the action scene um in echo 1 there's a knife fight right uh or a hand you know it's kind of like a brawl with some weapons involved and i was yeah. looking at it and i was like i have no I, I don't know what it's like to get stabbed you know i don't know what it's like to fucking try and stab somebody or smash somebody's <laughs> face with a baton you know and so like it, it the I'm going to get to the point, but basically what I do throughout this series, you'll all, it, it isn't, it isn't like overly stated, but I'm trying to push the bounds of what I can do. So you'll actually see the swearing kind of taper off as, as my writing skills grow better. Like you won't see it as much in three and four. Um, you'll see me write from the perspective of a woman in three, you know, and actually now uh, I'm writing a book from the perspective of three, of three teenagers. And I plan to, after that is to try my hand at young adult. Without, you know, maybe like, I'm not going to use the F-bomb, you know. <laughs> um, I might might use ass, maybe shit. I don't know. But it's like, uh, I'll probably stick with like damn in hell, you know, if I have to. You know, but I, I as a writer, I, I need to try and see if I can convey a narrative punch without like all the, without, in a more subtle way. You know, I want, I need to be able to cater to different audiences, you know. And that's to me, is like part of me not trying to be stuck in the old men mentality. Where it's like, I can't just, I need to be able to expand my toolkit. You know what I mean? 
it's like cool it's cool that i started with what i had but it's just like you said you know it's not just about like crawling out of rock bottom it's like once you're out of there it's like keep going you know keep climbing up that hill see what you can do you know yeah. um but so yeah long story limiting yourself, limiting yourself to one one genre one audience right by yeah you're growing that's that's important because the artist can sit back and say, well, this is my art and this is how I do it. And if people don't like it, well, then get the fuck out of my way. But if, you know, their their main objective is to, like, reach people and inspire or, like, change, and not change, but, like, hopefully help them see a new perspective on life, well, then it's important that we learn how to communicate in that way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's all basic uh, human nature, leadership, psychology stuff. It's like, you know, I was at the... So, like, here's a more mundane example. I'm at work. I'm at an office job now. But um, I go to, my, you know, my my boss pulls me in, and, and she's like, these people, these subordinates, they're not doing what I want them to. You know, they're not paying attention to these things and whatever. They're screwing up the case so that I have to do more work on the back end. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, there's, a couple, there's two ways to motivate people. And one is positive, you know, and the other is pain. And so it's like, uh, I, I was like, so when you do it positively, I mean, I don't know what speaks to your people, you know, like, like in the mil in the military, like if I was put in a position of leadership, I was like, uh, okay, you, it, you don't, it, I wasn't going to wave a flag or anything, you know, if I was in charge of a yeah. bunch of young, crazy guys, I'm not going to like appeal to their, I'm not going to recite stuff from the constitution and play like some fucking patriotic music in the background. That's not how to motivate. Them. That's not, that's not what, what, what they're all about right now. You know, they're young, crazy guys. So I was like, what I told them was like, look, if you guys, you guys do a job for me, I'll fucking run interference for you. Make sure you do as little stupid shit as possible. I'll get you off work as early as possible because I know that you got. I didn't say this part because I, I knew these guys wanted to go out in town and tear it up. You know, they want to get drunk, they wanted to hook up with girls and whatever or whoever. And, and, and so I was like, that worked. That spoke to their motivations. And so, like, when I'm in this office job and my boss is like, how did I basically just like, I don't know how to motivate these people. I was like, well, you have to figure it out. And she's like, what? You have to figure out what speaks to an individual. She's like, what? Doing a good job is enough? I was like, no, it's not. It's the same thing. It'd be the same thing as me, like, oh, we're, you know, like making some cheesy patriotic speech and, and waving the flag in the background, trying to motivate all these young hard chargers, you know? So, yeah. man, I really have lost the thread of conversation. I didn't know where I started with that. But uh, it's finding your audience. Yeah, yeah it's, it's finding it's your audience. Identified. Right. So, and yeah, okay. So I'll tie it back. So uh, uh, we went into the pain part. And basically, long story short, I was like, you can't if you're motivating people through pain, they have to know you're doing it for their best interests and you have to be shit hot yourself. You can't be they, they can't look at you and be like, well, she's bringing the pain and she's a piece of shit herself because then we're going to start mm -hmm. subtly sabotaging her. Because so like pain, motivating people through pain is a lot trickier. You have to be impeccable yourself in order to do that. Well, um, it's just better in general to motivate through positivity. But anyways, speaking to the audience, like. So you have to know kind of like these basic human drives. And what I, what I tell people to get over help, what helps me get over writer's block is contemplating how Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like survival's at the bottom. Then it's like, I forget how it go, how it's tiered, but it's procreation, self-actualization is at the top. So once the concept is like you have for all the listeners, uh, I know that you already know this, but once you have survival in place, basically you can start catering to these other, other needs. Right. So, uh, speaking to your audience is to me perceiving how those needs are iterated through a certain individual. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, 
okay, uh, I have this soldier guy. Like, how are how are how is the that hierarchy of needs iterated through him? Right now, he's got the yeah. survival covered. He doesn't really care about the procreation. You know, he has, like I mentioned it later, he has sex and he doesn't really care about relationships. You know, like, but he's kind of like at this. He's kind of like worried about the self actualization stuff, right? He doesn't really know what to do, so he's kind of like fucking. He's getting into trouble. He's like, he's like um, contemplating, you know, things that might he might never have in the past. That kind of thing. So, yeah, when you speak to your audience or when you when you communicate with any individual, actually, I feel like knowing those needs and thinking like, how is this person? What what is this? Where is this person getting hung up on that ladder of needs? You know, and how do yeah. I address that? You know, to me, that's speaking to somebody not just on a service level, but archetypally, like through through an archetypal level of conversation where you're speaking to right. the genetic encoding in them. So that, it's a completely different thing. Like when you speak to somebody, in my opinion, when you speak to somebody archetypally, you know, when you speak to some, like, um, it, uh, it resonates. There's actually like a, almost a physical, like, have you read a book that really resonated with you? There's a physical sensation that comes with that. Right. To me, it feels like uh, a giant, expansion in my in my head like it's like uh it's as if like these invisible weights had dropped away from my brain and um yeah it's it's the same it's the same sensation i get like when i'm walking through a forest and then i come out onto a cliff and i get to see the ocean it's just it's like this giant peace feeling vast feeling of peace and expansiveness yeah and to me that's what what being able to speak to your audience if you're really good at it that's what you should be able to induce so, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it like that, but there's so many people who are just on the base level, like just trying to survive, right? Right, even if they have their survival set, like they don't realize that their survival is they're fine, you know? Yeah, it's almost people create drama to make it seem like that base level is always at risk, it's always there, it's always. You know, they're always in fear of or in danger of getting killed or mauled or whatever. When in, when in reality, their survival has been set for a long time. And it's like, okay, it's time to move on. Yeah, I <laughs> couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's like, you're good. You're good on this level. You know, like find, go up the levels, you know, because you, the, if you don't, if you don't start going up, climb that ladder of needs, then um, you start getting, I don't know. I feel like uh, you starve in some sense, you know? It just eats away at you. So. I, I kind of had that feeling when I was in my in my drinking, and like I realized that I was surviving, even though I was pouring gallons of poison down my throat every single day. I was still somehow, you know, I was eating. I was like, I still had a relation. I still had like sexual relationships with females. It's like I was still doing like all these things that I still had. I was still surviving, and I was literally doing the worst things humanly possible for myself, right? Not whatsoever. I thought, man, your survival has never been in question, my friend. You are going to be fine no matter – like, I've lived out of my car. I've been homeless, like, walking on the – like, you know. And I've always survived, even through the worst parts. Right, right. I thought, what if you go after the things you really want to do and you start living the life you really want to live? Do you think that you might be able to do a little bit better than surviving if you made it through that fucking hell? <laughs> like and then it clicked with me i was like oh that's a stupid question yeah i should be able to be okay right 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 but here's the thing though like let me ask you this 
Okay. Say you're going for these things and you, uh, something, something, uh, you know, God forbid, or, you know, I just like to say the, you get a fell swoop of, of chance, you know, um, something stupid happens, you know, like a meteor lands on you or whatever, you know, let's keep it, let's keep it extreme, you know, building falls on sure. you, skyscraper falls on you or whatever. What in that moment when you realize like, Oh shit, uh, I'm about to exit this earth and I didn't, I, I didn't get out. I didn't do what I set out to do. What, how are you going to feel about that? What's it right? Like I, I had always felt like this was, like when I was drinking, I felt like that was all there was for me. Like I was, you know, my dad's an alcoholic. He just kind of like pissed away his life and never really did anything with it. I thought, well, that's me, you know, and I'm going to be that way. And I really don't have anything to offer the world. It wasn't until I started writing and I actually did have a scare about five months ago. And it was like life at that moment seemed like it was about to be taken away from me. Uh-huh. And it was, it, it was the first time in my life I thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to tell the stories that I want to tell. All these amazing things that I thought I was going to be able to do are never going to come to fruition. It was the very first time in my life that it ever happened for me. And I knew then that I was on the right path, that I was on, I was on the path to doing something that was worthwhile. Because the whole rest of my life before that was all like, I don't give a shit if I die. Like I was doing things basically to kill myself every day right um, and it wasn't until that point i was like well then I'm, I'm doing the thing i need to be doing um and that's a pretty profound moment and i don't think a lot of people get it uh, honestly but it's you know where you feel tied to the world like oh this is life is really good yeah there is something more to life than drinking yourself to death and going to a nine to five being miserable with the person you're married to or the the things you think you're supposed to have it's like there's so much more and finally realizing that was like man it was it was a pretty amazing feeling yeah but i, I know uh, until- i know what you're talking about Look, i'll expound uh, i'll i'll tell you more about i don't want to explore that a little further but basically um to kind of encapsulate encapsulate is i felt the same with echo four it was just like i gotta finish this series this is basically my life's work you know i didn't realize it when i was little but this is like what i was made to do is write echo and then <laughs> afterwards, I was just like, yeah, I guess I'm good now. Like, I'll keep writing, but I guess all I have to do is enjoy the rest of my life to the best of my ability. And Tarantino, apparently, I, I figured I found this out later when he was writing Pulp Fiction, he was cocky yeah. as hell. He was like, uh, nothing like I don't get I don't give a fuck if this plane crashes. I'm going to be the only survivor, you know, like I'm meant to write Pulp Fiction. And then afterwards, he became terrified. <laughs> Once he finished it, he was like, oh, shit. You know, like, I've done what I'm supposed to do. But to me, I'm just like, well, you know, there's points in my life where I was ready to end it before anyway. So I'm just like, I'm not I'm not going to do that. But I'm just uh, now it's just time to kind of en- enjoy and push myself to the best of my ability. But it seems like do you have specific works that make you feel like do you have specific concepts in your head that you're going to write for sure that make you feel like that? Like, oh, I need this is these are my life these things are going to be my life's work and I need to get them done. You know, I think the the stuff I've written so far has opened me to that point. But I think to your point, like uh, this is what I've done now, you know, now I can just do it in my life. I think my life's work, like I had to get this shit out. I had to get those stories out. It's now become like, okay, how can I help the people that are struggling in the, in between? Like, my whole, my whole thing now, and this came to me, you know, without even realizing, I thought 
And I still think, you know, I, I have these, I have a vision board and a goal board with all the things that I want to accomplish as a writer. Mm-hmm. And like number one, I've got the top 13 writers of all time with like William Shakespeare at 4.5 billion books sold. And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have that idea in my mind, but I also think that my mission in life is to be of service to other people in a way that only I can. Like I talked about having that best-selling story encoded in all of us. Right. My my number one mission when I started writing was I want to inspire and motivate other people. I want to become even a one percent better tomorrow than I was today. And I want to continue to grow in that direction. And I feel like the things that I've written, the things that I'm doing um, are all channels for that, that to come to fruition. And whether I write another book or not, or do another podcast or make another YouTube video or whatever, like, I feel like I'm doing those things because I'm, I'm connecting with people on a level that I didn't even realize was possible. And, um, it's, it's been such a profound thing to, to realize how connected we all are. Right. To, you talked about this an hour, two hours ago when we first started, but about, um, about how, shit, just totally lost the train of No, where'd he go? <laughs> We're all connected. I hate when that happens. Um, shit. But no, it's it's my it's my mission to be of service to other people because we are all connected and and oh yeah about changing yourself first right oh like, yeah yeah I my I've had this I've had this dream since I was a little kid and I don't know where it's ever where it came from but like I've had this idea that I, I want to change the world and it's like this this thing that's like well Matt that's a stupid idea like you're not gonna change the world you're one person but then I think to myself well maybe I can change my world right like we talked about in the beginning yeah. If I change my world and I speak to another human being and whatever happens in that conversation, if they feel lifted to some degree more than they were when we started, did I not just change that person's world somewhat? And and I've seen it in these interviews, man, when I talk to people from the beginning where they're kind of like they're a little bit you know, disconcerted and they, they're not used to being on camera and they're worried about talking about their work. And at the end where they're completely lit up and excited about it and and then when I get done talking to them after, after the interview's out and how, how thrilled they are with it, and it's like, okay, I just, it's not necessarily me, but like what I did was change the state of that person's world from one moment to, a, to the next. And if I do that enough times with enough people, like maybe that's not, you know, it's a very slow way to do it, but I'm changing my world every day. And then two, I'm trying to change other people's world one person at a time. And maybe my level will raise to I can where I can do it to more people, but you know, until that point, I just have to do it where I can. Well, I, I mean, I don't even think there's a just like just have to do it, or I don't think there's a maybe. So, like, uh, I can see where this 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 is this feels like an amplification of what got you out of the uh, the, the the dark part of your life, right? Do what you can, but and I, you know, when people ask me, people talk about like futility and stuff and i tell them do what you can i always qualify it with this it's like do what you can that phrase is usually people poo poo it right they're like yeah do what you can you know the, to me it's not that at all because okay so nelson mandela for whatever faults you know maybe, maybe he did some 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 egregious shit when he was younger or whatever but look here's 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 what i take from his life that's constructive to me it's like dude gets thrown in prison right 
and he's like fucking mm-hmm. forgotten. He's fucking ba- breaking rocks, you know. He's uh, basically written off for the rest of his life, right? And yeah. doing the little things, you know, like taking care of his appearance, being nice to the guards. I mean, he goes from that being completely forgotten to like, I mean, you know, the rest of the story, you know, and where yeah. he's like, he, he's like, he gets out and, you know, he's president or whatever. And then he, and then he, he, um, restrains, he restrains himself from the ventral path, you know? And it's like, that's yeah. what do what you can can get you. It can get you from being completely fucking forgotten to like being in a position where you can be the guy that exercises mercy. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, to me, it's when I know, I know what you're saying. I know you're trying to, uh, well, I think you're trying to be humble and stuff like that. But when you say like, uh, just this, or maybe I'm just like, no man, you're doing <laughs> to me, that's greatness right there. It's like, you just consistently do it's pop. It, 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 what else can somebody ask of you? You know? And I'm sure you feel this, uh, you felt this before. It's like, when I do that, when I do what I can, and maybe it's not, maybe I didn't sell a million books or whatever. Maybe I didn't, uh, what uh, maybe I didn't get any results. Maybe I didn't get any comments or likes or whatever. Um, but I lay down to sleep at night and I'm just like, I did what I can. Every molecule in my, I tell this, this is how I phrase it. Every molecule in my body, it feels like it did the right thing. And yeah. it's the deepest piece. I haven't felt that. In, uh, I didn't start feeling that until uh, I started writing. I was just, I was just like, um, this is like, uh, I, a, a bit, a giant S meter could come and squish me right now. I'd be all right with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're okay with what you're doing. And I, I, I know exactly what you mean about laying your head down at night because I used to hate going to sleep at night. I couldn't go to sleep because I was like, something was missing from the day and I couldn't put a finger on it. Right. I was always like, what the fuck? I did. I like wore myself out to the point of, ex- I can't stand anymore, you know, like through workouts or whatever it is. And not, it's not until I've started doing this in writing that I've come to a point where like, I can sleep so peacefully at night, man. I can go to sleep multiple times a day if I need. Yeah, to. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, it's it's a wonderful feeling, right? And like, I get up in the morning, and it's like, you know, yeah, maybe I'm a little draggy or whatever sometimes, but it's not like I was in high school where I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> how do I get out of this?" Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's completely different. I'm just like, yeah, I got shit to do. Let's let's get cracking. You know, and I'm not dragging my feet or thinking of excuses. You know, I'm I'm thinking of reasons to on how uh how i can do better that day rather than reasons of how i can do less you know it's a completely different yeah. mentality um it it's it's a difference between being the hunter and the prey you know the prey gets traumatized the hunter like they get invigorated when they go out and uh bring something back you know uh that's how i see it anyways it, no it's yeah man i feel like we could go on for a long time dude. For sure. like <laughs> This has been fantastic. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna break this up into two, two different podcasts okay. because it's two hours long. Yeah, that's what I usually do. Uh, with I usually go for two hours and then split into two episodes. This is this has been amazing, man. Talking to you, it's been eye open. Hey, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, man. I'm flattered that you reached out to me. <laughs> that's right. I'm glad we were able to connect for sure. Um, is there anything you want to leave with uh, the good listeners out there? To, to remember you by well i wish we had gotten a little more into the practical advice of like how to how to balance stuff but uh let's uh, maybe not to I, I hope this i hope it's all right not to, what's it maybe next time yeah maybe next time um yeah let's see i i hope it's it's okay not to end on like a giant uh inspirational note and just 
throw out some quick tips I found. Uh, uh, okay, so like you're talking, uh, you and I uh, and I, a bunch of writers, you know, they get really wound up trying to get all their ideas out, and it, it, it can it, it can hurt time management. So what I end up doing is if I have ideas at at the end of my word count, I tips I found. Do it. Uh, uh, okay, so like you're talking. You and I uh, and I, a bunch of writers, you know, they get really wound up trying to get all their ideas out, and it, it, it can it, it can hurt time management. So what I end up doing is, if I have ideas at at the end of my word count, I just write a quick synopsis in parentheses, and that just uh, it, it just gives me a feeling of security. I'm like, okay, I have an idea of what I'm going to get out next time. I can just reference it real quick. I like that. So okay. yeah, that that really helped with my time management. Um, and so. Uh, yeah. And then it gives uh, your brain a couple. Of, a whole other podcast, but and then it yeah, gives your it gives your brain like a day to to work on that synopsis too, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into Echo. That I, like I said, with this, I've been uh, I've get, I've been getting like ten to twenty percent into every per, every author's book that I read or that I interview. And so, like, I, I joked with some friends that I'm never going to read another book again in my entire life. I'll just read, I'll just read the first twenty percent of a million books. Dude, I'm flattered that you got number one at all and read one page. So if it's not, if if, if it starts dragging, then feel free to switch to something else, man. I I'm, I'm definitely not going to be offended. I'm I'm really flattered that you read it at all. So no, it's been really good so far, and I'll, I I recommend it to everybody to check out. Um, I would love to I would love to let or to have you allow us to read from like chapter one or two from uh echo if you would on bedtime stories and if you if you want to take some time to think about it that's cool you can check out bedtime stories on the youtube channel it's me and my girlfriend reading um from some of the author's books in my bed and okay uh, <laughs> um I think I'd be, i'm pretty sure i'd be open to it there's a couple issues number one is like uh there's 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 uh stuff in, in italics which denotes personal thought so i asked i was asked i'm not sure how that come across if Sometimes you have to like say it, right? You can't just like if I say like uh, if a character thinks like "fuck" in italics because like something bad is happening, and I read that, it doesn't necessarily like if somebody's looking at it, they understand that it's a character's thought. Like, right. I would have to. So that I know there's a few of those in chapter one, but and also uh, my friend's coming to visit from March first, twentieth. So it might it'll have to be after that because this week's back, and then I got his visit. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like let me know what. The, what you want me to do and uh i'm happy to i'm happy to accommodate well as, as long as you're you allow us to do it we do a live broadcast of it um at like nine o'clock at night so it'd be what like five o'clock or six o'clock your time um and then we usually the author usually comes in the live chat and talks talks to us while we're doing the reading um and then we, um, I, I could do just audio i don't like being uh, no it's it's still. typing you type you type Oh, typing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's a live broadcast on YouTube, and then like we'll we'll break down what we read in the first chapter and talk about it, and um, and then the author will interact with us and the and and the uh, other people in the chat, and just kind of it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that sounds fun, man. I'll, we, uh, yeah, after, after March twentieth for sure. And then we give away a free copy of the book too, so okay, I, buy, yeah, I yeah. buy a copy. I don't know how to do that, but I I have I, I could just buy one and mail it out to. Well, that's what I do. I I buy the book and then I give it to whoever. Okay, well, I'll let go you any costs for that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, I'll get back with you after March 20th, I guess. Yeah, can't wait. And this has been a pleasure talking to you, man. I'll keep following the blog. Um, anything in between, we got the emails. We'll talk, and I'll let you know as soon as this comes out, okay? 
Sure. This, is, this has been awesome talking to you, man. It was fantastic, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Take it easy. Me too. Bye.